We are SC Podcast Sunday Morning Cornerback Edition. Gary Pass was joined by Daryl Rideau. And uh, Daryl, boy, there are smiles all around on this one. USC last night, 42-24 to victory over Stanford. It wasn't really the point total, though, that has all Trojan fans smiling. It's the way that it happened. It's the way that the Trojans went out there and stood toe-to-toe with Stanford, which, yeah, USC is the physical program. But in recent years, Stanford has gotten that. And so... For the Trojans to go out last night and do what they did to punch them in the mouth, um, it sent quite a statement resonating through that Coliseum. It, it truly did, Gary. And, of course, there are a lot of smiles on the faces of, of USC and and its, um, its fan base simply because of the display of physicality, uh, something that had been lacking and missing in this program. And rightfully so, because as the the... the the, the nature of how teams are playing offensively has changed over the years. Uh, a team like Stanford and Notre Dame, but in particular Stanford because this was the opponent this week, are throwbacks, playing that traditional power eye, uh, formate, lining up in that power eye formation and really dictating the physicality to its opponent. To see USC line up and not counterpunch, but deliver oftentimes uh, – on Saturday night, deliver that first blow was, was truly something special. Yeah, let's go back to when Clay Helton was uh, introduced as head coach of the Trojans on a permanent basis. One of the statements he made was talking about, you know, hey, we we, we want to get to the Stanford style of physical football, which in many ways is saying we want to get back to the USC style because Stanford certainly took, took it from the Trojans. But I want to give a couple other comments from last night that I really thought uh, reiterated what we all saw on the practice field. The first of all was Clay Helton in his post-game press conference saying, we played to our standard. And I think that's very important. It's not that it's anyone else. I like the thought of saying it's our standard. And, and Lord knows what you saw with Pete Carroll, it's all about us. And that's what he preached all the time. Uh, I heard from one former USC offensive lineman who said, for the first time in 10 years, I watched USC football tonight. And that, and that is a strong statement, you know, and because that, that speaks to an error when I came in. In 1999, uh, I came in on the backs of great, physical USC football, a power a style, a power that, that didn't lack grace, but it came, instead of finesse, it did come with an attitude. And that's what this team had been lacking. So when as Clay Helton has been recruiting with complimentary pieces, the focus this uh, that uh, the past recruiting class was on having versatile, physical, linemen on both sides of the ball and what we saw Gary in this game was a display of of the complementary pieces but more importantly a philosophy you know this is one of those weird seasons for USC where there are no bye weeks so every week to match up the intensity there are no areas to give so going up against a, an opponent like Stanford this week so early in the season when it has so many Pac-12 implications to it, but more importantly, a team that somewhat had USC's number over the years. What I loved, what I saw was the adjustments throughout the game, and it really caught Stanford off guard, which is very difficult to do because oftentimes teams have a hard time adjusting to not only Stanford's physicality, 
but the amount of offensive linemen that they throw at you, the amount of defensive linemen that they put in the box. So to finally see USC outwit Stanford in a, on a night like that was magic. And I think that's so true, Joe, because one of the things that really caught my eye during the game was it just seemed like any time that Stanford tried something, USC had the answer. Anytime Stanford scored, USC responded with a score. This was just one of those games where it seemed like the Trojans and the coaching staff were indeed one step ahead. Right, right. And when you compare and contrast, because that's all I could truly do right now, is compare the beginning of last season to the maturity of this team this year. You know what I notice most is, is that when something goes wrong, this team does not, they, they don't get rattled. They accept it for what it was worth. They make the necessary corrections. And they move on. They move on by correcting their mistakes because I don't think that they give too much credit to uh, the, the talent on the other side as much of if I'm fundamentally sound in my assignment, these, these things should not occur. The example that I'm making is when the running back, um, Love, uh-huh. from Stanford, dashed him for a good 75 yards. You know, uh, in times in the past, it would have been, uh-oh, here we go again moment. Sure. But I truly believe defensively, when you look on the sideline and you see the leadership from that offense, you know that you're always going to be in a game. So I think it takes pressure off of them from trying to play a perfect game, but but uh, give them a chance to get settled into their rhythm defensively and knowing that the offense and special teams would also have their back. And I'm going to give two examples that are a little bit different than what you just said. But in terms of calls that went against the Trojans, there were two calls, one against Rasheem Green when he hit the quarterback. And my gosh, that was a football play. That quarterback held the ball as long as he could, and Rasheem hit him. That was no penalty. Um, on the very next play, Uchenna Nwusu makes a play on third down, gets the defense off the field. Yeah, yeah. Later, Porter Gustin gets called. Uh, and poor, I love what Porter's response was. He told the referee, I didn't hear the whistle. Next time, you got to blow the whistle louder next time. Wow. Um, because it, it, it is true. Daryl, both players were still playing. The offensive lineman was still blocking Porter. So he didn't hear the whistle either. But that play happened. The penalty was called. What happens? The next play, Uchenna makes a play again on third down, gets the defense off the field. I love those two responses. Even when a little adversity hit, there was no blinking on the part of the Trojans, and one of their teammates was there to pick them up. Right, and that speaks to the trust and the belief within the system, which allowed the creativity of these players to show up. You know, you, you, you just you just highlighted great plays that I experienced during my time at USC. When someone made a mistake, again, these were isolated mistakes. When you're a young team, these mistakes have a, have a way of compounding and lingering onto the the neck, the emotions of the mistake. With this group, not doesn't phase them. Somebody else got to step up. And and what I love about the way that this system is designed, it's not predicated on one particular player. It's the guy who can beat their individual matchups. And Clancy Pendergast defensively does such a great job of creating those one-on-one matchups to keep uh, extended offensive linemen from getting to that second level. So give a lot of credit to the leadership of this team, not only on the uh, defensive side of the ball, but also on the offensive side of the ball, Gary, which which I want to highlight something that um, I observed during the game. There were times that USC lined up in its traditional 12 personnel, one one uh, running back, two tight ends, and two receivers. 
But how they lined those receivers up, Gary, confused Stanford a few times during the night. There were times, if you if you recalled, that USC lined up would appear to be four receivers on one side of the ball, creating an off-balance look. They had three receivers flexed out and a, a tight end on the strong side. Rarely do you ever see a formation like that, especially coming from USC. Now, the back was extended weak. Oftentimes, it was Ronald Jones. The other times, it was um, it was Stephen Carr. And But from that formation, it gave them an off-balance look that Stanford normally confuses uh, teams with. So to finally outwit them and do something that they hadn't practiced on film caused Stanford it, it, trouble because – it, you know, being on the sideline in between plays trying to match up and make those corrections when you didn't rehearse it in practice is very, very challenging. So that's why I thought USC had the edge. They came, they were prepared, and they outwitted a team that normally prides themselves on being smarter than their opponent. No, no, no doubt about it. Let, let me go back over the defensive side really quick, and then, then, then we'll come over to offense. But I want to. There's a couple things we haven't hit on on defense, and you talked about. Okay, here's an adjustment that they hadn't seen on offense. On defense, I thought particularly down on the defensive line, the pre-snap movements that we saw down there, yeah. uh, the way that 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 really seemed to to give Stanford a little pause. I I, I thought that was a terrific job that Clancy did uh, on that one. But I want to say this, Daryl. Have you ever seen an outside linebacker with five passes batted down in a game like Nwusu had in this game? Not since the days of probably Willie McGinnis. Wow, you're going back a ways with a good one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with that um, with that type of length and arm reach, uh, that's why I'm saying uh, Uchenna is playing at such a high level, but five pass breakups. And if you were to talk to him after the game, you know, in his mind, in his opinion, and, and the team would echo this, a pass breakup is oftentimes just as good as a sack. Right. It creates the same type of impact. It gets the team off the field. But, I mean, you know, he is playing at an all-time high level. And I thought I we noticed it last year, but the fact that he's picked up where he left off. And now the the team with the experience that they have are complimenting. But to me, defensively, he might have been the player of the game just because his impact on the field forced uh, Stanford to have to adjust and figure out where he was on the field. I want to give a couple other defensive names. Cameron Smith leading the way, eight tackles. Cam Smith was Cam Smith. He was he was terrific. Uh, R- R- Rasheem Green, I thought, was, was dominant, had a couple pass breakups. But I want to hear your comments on Jackie Jones. You have held Jackie to a high standard since he's been here. Yeah. I thought last night was his most physical game. Daryl, he made some very timely tackles. <laughs> I, I, I love that because when I think of Jackie Jones, he's, he's one of those hybrids. He, he's a defensive player with an offensive mentality. And oftentimes they can be perceived as a cover corner or a finesse corner. But I thought he brought his big shoulder pads out uh, for this game. He really understood what was expected of him, and I thought he played well. Now, there were times where, you know, again, uh, Stanford attacked him, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and they had their fair share of success at sure. times. But I would make the argument, Gary, that not under any circumstance was he ever out of position. It took extraordinary catches by a wide receiver in order for them to come down with that ball. But the way that he showed up, like you talked about, in the running game as that extra defender, putting his pads you know, uh, at the thigh level of, of those uh, running backs, I thought was 
and necessary physicality for him to show in order for him to earn the respect of his teammates because you're always earning the respect of your teammates. They want to know when, when the pressure is on, will you be there to have their back? And on a night like that, I thought Jackie Jones showed up and he earned his stripes as a Trojan in the secondary. I like that. Okay, we're going to transition over to offense gig with the, the help of a sat, third down conversions, which coming into the game, Clay, Clay Helton said he thought that was going to be the key stat because Stanford is so good at it. He says they do such a good job of on first and second down of creating those short third down yardage opportunities, and that script was completely sl- uh, flipped in this game. Yeah. Stanford was 6 of 12. The Trojans, Daryl. 10 of 12 on third down conversions. You don't see that too often. You really don't, Gary. And what's remarkable about this game plan, and I think this is something that, that Clay Helton and, uh, and T. Martin learned from the previous week, was I thought last week they got too cute trying to get younger players involved. When I say younger players, I don't mean by age. I mean by experience. Mm-hmm. Get you know the receivers involved and in, in, in into a rhythm. No, in a game like this where you need to deliver that first blow, that first punch and, and strike, what this does is oftentimes, Gary, players go into a game with butterflies, nerves. And when you're going up against a physical team, you don't want to be on your heels and allow uh, your opponent to dictate that first blow. So starting the game off six of the first seven plays, oh, I believe you highlighted. I love that. Or run plays. That allowed for this team to be on the um, be proactive and take the fight to Stanford. And and because of that, I think that that allowed for this offense to get find itself into a rhythm. The other thing I want to highlight is running the receiving offense through Deontay Burnett, very similar to how New England runs it, ran it through a Wes Welker or um, many of its other slot-type receivers, uh, Julian Edelman. Right. That is how USC continues to find success with Burnett's chemistry with Sam Darnold. Getting him involved in the slot, then fanning out, getting those other receivers involved once the attention is on the interior part of this team. It is, it, it's remarkable to see how much control and how much chemistry that those two players seem to have. And it's interesting when you talked about on offense, you know, leaning on the veteran guys, that, that, that was sure the case in this one. It was Sam, it was Deontay, it was Ronald Jones, it was a veteran offensive line. It was also a little Stephen Carr. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, but you, let, let's talk about Sam just for a minute. Boy, he was he, he was really good last night. Even with those two interceptions, which were kind of lobbed up in the direction of Tyler Petit. But other than that, he you know twenty one for twenty six, three hundred sixteen yards, four TDs. My favorite moment, well, that and the pitch play to Ronald Jones for the touchdown, perfectly executed by Sam. But there was a moment early in the second drive, Daryl, on the on the very first play, which I thought was vintage Sam. He was rolling to his right. And he kind of looked over his right shoulder to see if there was any backside pressure coming. And there wasn't. So that allowed him to take another look downfield. The play wasn't there. And he tossed a short one to Deontay Burnett. I think it was a four-yard game. Just that presence, Daryl, that little moment right there just showed me one of the things that's so unique about Sam. It's so funny that you would mention that because when I was, you know, at, during the game, as the play was developing, and he looked behind himself... You know, I said, wait a minute, did he just do that? And then you watch the highlight on the Big Tron if you're at, if you're at the game on the Jumbotron. And that speaks to his poise, his, you know, savviness as, as a quarterback. I mean, what he had, what he did was something that you never really see at the collegiate level. 
someone that is so confident and in command of of his surroundings to the point where he understood awareness. He noticed, like you talked about, that the, that he wasn't under immediate pressure. That allowed for him to settle in, you know, and to quote a, a rap artist named Big Sean, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Last, last week he might have looked shaky, but this week he bounced back. This was the type of Sam, this was the type of performance that we've grown accustomed to see. And, but it wasn't just that. It was his mobility in the pocket, extending, shifting, moving the, the launch point so that he wasn't a sitting target. Gave his offensive linemen angles now for them to block. There's a lot of things that he does that are very subtle that his teammates appreciate because he puts them in position to be successful. Yeah, it was funny. There was a, an article, I believe it was the San Francisco Chronicle this morning. It said, boy, in the USC-Stanford game last night, there was memories of John Elway running around, making plays, making things happen, improvising. The only problem was that quarterback was playing for USC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but make, make no mistake about it. As, as great of a game, throwing, what, 21 of 26 for 316, four tuds, you know, a couple of picks, um, I don't think that, that that was the highlight of the night. No. A game like this where this was one of those slobber knockers, you, you needed something more than that. And I thought, Gary, the running game provided that. And, and, and my favorite part of it, I want to give kudos to the offensive line. You, Sam got sacked once for one yard. Yeah. And then when you're, when you're running for 307, that says something. So kudos to the O-line. But I want to talk about this running back group, Daryl, because what I love is you had such the one-two punch at the top of things but then you had the three four. I love that Mustang set when you got you know Vavai Malapii and Aka Cedric Ware in there. Boy, I, I thought Vavai ran hard last night. That was oh our first God. real extended look at him. That's a beast, Daryl. He is a beast, and he's somebody that you're going to have to reckon with because I, I'm still wondering as as the season progresses, you know, who's going to perform and play certain roles on short yardage and things like that. But boy, the just the physicality that Vavai ran with, you know, it, it was a sight to see. I, you know, wearing those shoulder pads and, and plowing into a defender who, you know, who has one arm tugged on a on an offensive lineman, that after a while, that starts to wear on you. And I don't care how physical you are as an opponent, you start to think about those type of hits. And you're like, at one point, you're preparing for speed. The next, you now have to prepare for power. If USC is able to continue to develop a rotation like this under certain situations, it's going to keep teams up at night because you can't simulate that type of talent on the practice field. And, 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 and so it's not going to be until game day that teams realize how physical of an offense this is. And spe- speaking of physical, boy, boy, aren't we seeing this with Ronald Jones right now. Oh, my he, he, Yeah. Yeah, he, and what I love about it, Gary, and I'm curious about your thought is, you know, uh, physicality comes in two ways. One is running with power like Bavai. Another is when you explode into your opponent, you burst into them. And that's right now, that is what I am seeing with, with, Ronald, with Rojo. I'm seeing him accelerate into the defender and causing that contact and bouncing off that contact for extended yards. That is a physicality to his game that I think uh, will give him longevity because it will never allow for an opponent to get a clean shot on him as an opponent braces to, to, you know, for the tackle. 
he's delivering the he's lowering his shoulder and delivering that blow. Gotta love what you're seeing for, from Rojo. Yeah, 23 carries, a buck 16, two touchdowns. But I also am going to think back to something that uh, the new running back coach, Delon McCullough, said last week. Talking about you, you mentioned breaking through arm tackles. He's like that. That that's the dirty work of a USC tailback. This isn't this isn't flash. Right. This is dirty work. And did you? I mean, Daryl. Let's. I, I'm certainly not looking to jinx anything, but we haven't had a running back fumble through the through the first two games. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's an accident either. I think that that's pride in recognizing what they're carrying, Gary. But but I would be remiss if I did not mention the work of Stephen Carr. Oh, of course. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to this young man. Oh my goodness! Eleven carries, you know, a buck nineteen. My favorite moment, Daryl, is when he broke away on that fifty-two yard run. Yes. And he simply switched the football from his inside arm to his outside arm. I mean, again, we talked about awareness throughout. You know, someone who who recognizes getting the ball away from a defender who who can, you know, reach at it and maybe even try to pop it out. But, you know, for me, my favorite moment, Gary, is his vision out of the back. Oh. So I may, I, you know, I think his vision is so exceptional. There was a, a couple of times where there was a stretch play, where it the, the play is designed to fan out. But when this kid sees daylight in the middle of the field and he puts his foot in the ground, he's able to accelerate and hit a gear like nobody's business. I love that about him. And and, and his poise is beyond his ears. I love what we're seeing from him because he challenges Rojo to be at his best. And to have that type of compliment and, and the respect that they have for one another is, is something that USC has grown accustomed to over the years. You know, when, when you have the, the, the likes of a Marcus Allen and, and a Charles White in the backfield, you know, and over the years, the tandem of Reggie Bush and Lindale White, you're seeing two special players right now who, who are playing at a high level. Gotta love it. I, I, I love the way that he, uh, I'm talking Carr right here, when 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 he caught the one screen pass and just put that little juke move on the defender, that that's the second time in his first two games as a as a college player that that he shook a guy and left him grasping for air. You, you know, a lot of cliches can be thrown out, but this dude can shake you inside of a hula hoop. I mean, he is he is that exceptional. How long have you been waiting to use that one? <laughs> because I, I was thinking about him, and I'm like. What he does and how he sets you up, most players have to slow down, but he seems to do it in stride, and he's always under control. And the look of despair on the on the defender's face when he shakes him up, they're they're thinking, oh, God, did I just end up on ESPN? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I love the point you made earlier. This This doesn't seem like this is anything out of the ordinary for this young man. He's perfectly comfortable with what he's doing right now. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, let's uh, let's talk coaches uh, for for this final part. Uh, Daryl, to me, this is the second time that we've seen under Clay Helton where they took on an opponent. I'm going to talk. The first one was Washington last year when they took on an opponent. Where, oh, physical! It's going to be a physical matchup. How's SC going? You know, how's SC going to play in this one? And that's the second time they answered the call. So I want to hear your opinion on the coaches in terms of getting them ready for the physical aspect, but also as, as we've talked about so far in the podcast. They schemed well in this one. This was a victory for the USC coaches. It, it truly was, and you know, and give a lot of kudos to to Clay Heldon when he went out and he recruited coaches, coaches that can adopt the philosophy that he was trying to implement. Very few times, Gary, can you implement a philosophy with with the coaching staff that that maybe 
exemplify something of the spread finesse type of system. He brought in coaches that can, that that can teach the philosophy that he wanted and impose their will. But it's the in game adjustments, it's the preparation that they that that they make during the week and their ability to communicate and teach the players so that they can go into situations confidently. That is what we continue to see now in these big moments. And and that's going to be something that we're going to have to start acknowledging of Clay Houghton. He is be, he is becoming a big game coach, getting his team uh, you know, lather, lathered up and ready to go on the biggest stages. And for this game and what this means to this program, going up against an opponent that, you know, seemed to have their number over the past 10 years, the adjustments that we made, we talked about it. One on defense that, um, that the, the defensive staff made, taking off two corners, putting in extra offense or defensive linemen so that you're clogging those middle lanes, creating a, a roadblock, a barrier. I've never in my life seen a team with that kind of confidence to take off two corners. Sometimes you take off one, but not two. They played with two safeties and a ton of a nine interior um, linemen and linebackers. Never seen that before, and it rattled Stanford. Okay, a, a lot of good that we've covered, and uh, boy, the, the Trojans are poised for next week. Texas coming to town, but let's just ask a, a, a very good game. A, a, anything that needs cleaning up. Maybe a Jane A. Harris, there, there was a couple uh, punt returns inside the 10-yard line that maybe could have been handled a little bit differently. Uh, anything else that you would look to clean up out of this game? Okay, a, a couple things. One is you, t- you talked about attention to details, a Jane A. Harris, feet on the 10-yard line, allow the ball to go over. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you there, okay? The other thing is sometimes Sam has a little too much confidence in his arm. I think, you know, just kind of – Allowing his feet to get set and, and following through early in the game will allow for him to kind of, you know, get into a rhythm quicker. Defensively, what I'd like to see is when, when, the, um, when the secondary is in a position, you know, is to play with their feet. Allow their feet to be in better position so that they can attack downhill. They're getting a little too combative with the receivers, and I don't want I don't want to see these pass interferences become something consistent on a week in and week basis. Uh, I'll give them those combat pass interferences right now, but overall, I like what I'm seeing and I like the adjustments that are made um, throughout the game because that shows a sign of a well coached team. So I don't have too many issues because I'm noticing the corrections are being made. On an in-game adjustment basis. Well, the, so USC sitting at two and zero right now. Uh, they were bumped back up to number four uh, in the rankings that came out uh, this morning, Sunday morning. And obviously, a Texas team coming to town, and there's going to be so much talk about a game that was played eleven years ago. But uh, that game isn't that we, we can't get revenge for that game with this game. This game stands alone. But I like where the Trojans are sitting as we're getting ready to welcome the Longhorns into town. And no, no doubt, and this will keep their attention all week. But going up against a team as physical as Stanford, it, there's no better preparation than what they're about to face when the Longhorns come into town. Boy, a lot, lot of fun last night, 42-24, to 24, USC victorious over Stanford. For Darrell Doe, this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Cornerback, the WRSC Podcast. We went long, Gary. 27? I thought it was a lot of substance.